I just wanted to focus in on some things uh, concerning the Resurrection Sunday, uh, 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 according to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And uh, we're going to pull some things uh, from there and uh, just kind of go down verse by verse uh, through the chapter, one verse at a time. And just want to leave plenty of time for that. And, uh, uh, and then maybe afterwards, if we have some time, we might take up some prayer requests and praise items. Of course, uh, our hearts and uh, thoughts are with the Rapp family. We had Mrs. Rapp's uh, memorial service uh, yesterday, and uh, we praise the Lord that uh, she's a Christian and in heaven. And uh, again, our thoughts and prayers are with the Rapp family uh, this morning. It's good to have uh, some of them here with us uh, as well, and, uh, but we'll be praying for uh, them. So Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28. Does anybody else want to give to the Missionary Wise offering? Just hold your hand up. We've got one down here too, brother. All right, one right here. We'll let that get taken care of. So happy Easter. Amen. Aren't you glad we serve a risen Savior? Amen. Praise the Lord. I know it's a little rainy and damp outside, but I tell you, I'm just in a good mood. And, uh, you know, we always ought to be in a good mood. Amen. Uh, We have more to rejoice about than, than anybody. And is that it, brother? Anybody else have anything? Okay. All right. All right. We've got a few more there. And uh, so praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I was, uh, the jail ministry last week, I was uh, preaching about Easter and and uh, using Easter as object lesson and those types of things. And uh, by the way, we had four people saved at the jail last week. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, but uh, I was sharing with them a little bit of my testimony uh, before I got saved and the difference between Easter, you know, before I was saved and after I was saved. And praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord that uh, when we think about our our risen Savior. Uh, wouldn't it be awful if he hadn't come out of the grave? Wow. I mean, I mean, we. I mean, I love visiting with you guys, and I'd probably even come, you know. But, but the main reason we're here is because we have a risen Savior. Amen. And for that, we can praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So Matthew chapter twenty-eight. Again, we're looking at the resurrection according to Matthew chapter twenty-eight. And again, we're just going to take a little break from our making the homework Sunday school series, and just wanted to do a little teaching on this. And uh, I want you to understand that um, uh, there's a lot, you know, probably a series of lessons could be taught really from, um, uh, from Christ's uh, trial and uh, his uh, crucifixion, the resurrection. There, there's a lot there. And uh, we've got to keep in mind to get a complete order of those events, uh, and even particularly the day that Christ arose, you really have to consider all the Gospels. Um, and even then, there's a lot of good men and women that are going to vary on uh, exactly what those things mean. Uh, but uh, we're going to c- kind of take just a basic look at it today. And we, you know, we're not going to look at every little detail, but mainly just learn some things uh, from it as well and how it ought to leave us. And but we will make mention of other gospels in some uh, detail, and we'll be turning to some other scriptures as well. So uh, that's why I wanted to kind of get a little early early start on it and. Uh, uh, so we're going to start there, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, and uh, we'll take this verse by itself. It says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn, toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Uh, and so it says there that, that, that in the beginning of the Sabbath, I think, is important. And in John chapter 20, you don't have to turn there, verse 1, uh, the Bible says, and I think also Luke says, the first day of the week. Um, uh, while it says while it was still dark, even 
And so it's important to understand, too, that the Jewish day uh, is seen from sunset to sunset. We see things from midnight to midnight. And so there's where a lot of, I would say, confusion, but uh, it is a little hard to kind of see all these things taking place because we just kind of automatically see a day as we see it today. Um, and so it's always important to keep that in mind as well. And so the Sabbath ended at sundown, uh, what we know to be Saturday, uh, but it ended at sundown. So this all mean, also means the first day of the week, uh, which we would know today as Sunday, didn't begin at midnight, it began at 6 p.m. And so it, it gets a little confusing there, and I'm, I'm not going to get into all that, but just to, you, know, you can study that out for yourself. Um, and it says uh, also here, uh, the first day, uh, it says at the end of the Sabbath, uh, as it began to dawn, so that does tell us it takes us up into the, the, the wee morning hours as we would know it today, um, meaning while it was still dark. Um, but there's really, other than getting bogged down in the times and all that, uh, which I love to think about those things, but uh, really there's, a, I believe, a huge spiritual significance to all this as well as we think about the Sabbath. Uh, there's a great application to be made. And so, you know, when it says the end of the Sabbath, <clears throat> um, I believe it is really talking more about it was the last Sabbath that God would recognize. <laughs> you know, just kind of let that sink in for just a minute. Uh, and I think it's important. It was the last, really, of all the Sabbaths. And there were other Sabbaths besides uh, the uh, Saturday Sabbath. And so let's look at some scriptures here uh, to, to uh, really nail this application down a little better. So hold your place in Matthew. We'll be going back and forth. Uh, so take your Bibles, turn to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. And we'll just kind of go down through this and uh, see how the Lord leads. Uh, but to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Look at verse uh, 15. Look at verse 15, and it's talking about uh, really the, the laws, uh, observances, and those things being uh, taken away because of the resurrection of Christ. We'll start with verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And so we're talking about uh, Christ coming back from the dead. Now notice verse 16. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat. And we think about all the Jewish uh, laws and, and their feasts and different Sabbaths. He says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in uh, respect uh, of an holy day. Uh, remember, the week of the Passover was also going on in those days uh, uh, that uh, Jesus would be uh, crucified. Or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. And so we see there very plainly, which we see the reason for these things. They were important, certainly, which were a, uh, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body, I believe talking about uh, the church there, is of Christ, that is believers. And so, again, uh, it's always uh, important to, to understand these things, and it's good to know, I think it's good to know these things and have them planned out. But, but it's also good to understand the application here. Just, you know, the Pharisees had a problem with knowing the law, but not applying the law to their heart. It didn't change them the way it should, and we can kind of fall into that category as well. And so certainly today, we have no Sabbath. We, we meet together on the Lord's Day. That's Sunday. Uh, and there's a specific reason why we use Sunday to do that. It has to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus was risen uh, on uh, a, a Sunday. 
uh, and uh, our Lord's Day certainly is not the same as the Jewish Sabbath because there is no need of the Sabbath as we see there uh, in Colossians uh, chapter 2 as we just read. And uh, so again, our Lord's Day too, like the Sabbath, was about keeping the law. It pointed towards uh, the things of, of Christ, no doubt. Uh, but um, our, our Lord's Day is all about grace. Amen. You know, that, that's what it's about, and, and that's the age in which you and I live in today. Uh, and so again, as I mentioned a while ago, it's important to, to remember the days that were leading up to the crucifixion being in the middle of a Jewish holiday, the Passover. Let's think about that for just a moment. Think about Christ dying on the cross, okay? Think about the blood that was shed, and we think about what the Passover was all about. Remember what the Passover was all about when the children of Israel came out of Egypt? And they would apply the blood uh, upon their doorpost, and the death angel would what? Would pass over them. That was, even way back when, that was pointing towards that one and final sacrifice that was going to come, Jesus Christ, and he had come that week. Amen. That's why there's a huge spiritual significance to all of this. Uh, and, and certainly that Passover week, which was also considered a Sabbath, was, was happening as well. Um, and, uh, and uh, so all of that had been fulfilled, uh, uh, certainly when, when Jesus died on the cross, but mainly when he'd come back from the grave. And so again, we see there, uh, we see the end of the Sabbaths. We now live in that age of grace. Number two, the resurrection of Jesus Christ the Savior. Let's go ahead and read it. So back to Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 2. And it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. Notice verse 4. Uh, and for fear of him, the keepers did shake. We remember that uh, the Jews and had some Roman centurions guarding that. <clears throat> and for uh, fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And so, uh, again, taking uh, the rest of the gospel narratives in consideration here, we'll, we'll kind of tie some things together. And I'll be honest with you, there's still some things that I'm not completely settled on. But uh, when we consider Mark and Luke and John, uh, they show us that, that uh, first of all, I don't believe that, that Mary and this other Mary actually saw that happen. I believe that had already taken place when they got there. And the reason I believe that, again, if you look at the other gospels, and I, and I could be wrong, but I feel like that I'm right. Uh, I'm always certain in matters of opinion. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Aren't we all, right? <laughs> and so, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, but if you look at the other Gospels, uh, you'll, you'll find that they found the tomb empty. Uh, they found the tomb empty. Uh, and uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, as we said there, uh, a lot believed that that could be you know, said as, in, as they were coming. Uh, and they simply, uh, they were simply on their way there when these things, uh, had happened. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, they, it could have happened well before, uh, they came. Maybe even hours. We don't know. But we also read there about the great earthquake, uh, as well. And, uh, we know from Daniel, or I'm sorry, from Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, there was also an earthquake when Christ died. As a matter of fact, we're real close to that. You can probably just look over to your left and you'll see that in, uh, verse 51. Uh, when uh, Jesus died on the cross, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent. That's very significant as well, uh, canceling that law out in twain from the top to the bottom, which is amazing to think about. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. 
And uh, so, you know, there were some things going on uh, with the earth at that time as well. And certainly, we do know that Christ did die, amen, for our sins. You know, he literally died. There's a lot of people that want to teach that, you know, he didn't really die all the way and those types of things. These are just kind of spiritual things. But uh, in other words, when I say spiritual, kind of ghostly type things, and certainly that's not true. Christ died for our sins, again, according to the Scriptures, but rose the third day. We can be confident in that. So let's, let's talk about this a little bit more. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm sure most of us in here this morning uh, believe this and understand it, uh, but I think it's important that we look at the Scriptures and know what we believe and why we believe it and uh, see it in the Word of God ourselves. We don't want to just take some old preacher's word for it. Amen? Uh, so 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, I'll tell you what, we're, we'll look at verse 1 2. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4 uh, first. And uh, so notice what it says, uh, Paul speaking to the Corinthian believers. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all, and that's very important, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So we see there very plainly, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. Again, it says according to the Scriptures. And so again, the Bible plainly teaches us um, some, some wonderful things here. But what I want you to understand is, is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is connected to the gospel. In other words, it's connected to souls being saved. <clears throat> and what, the reason I say that is, a lot of times you'll hear people, and you'll talk to people about the Lord, and, and they'll say they believe in God, and, 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 uh, you know, but, but their understanding of who Christ is and what Christ did is kind of foreign to them. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is that the death, burial, and resurrection has to be connected to the gospel. If, if you don't believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will not be right with God. Period. No matter how sincere you are, you, you might be a great person, okay? But you have to understand uh, that it is all uh, connected to the gospel. For had Christ not rose from the grave, we wouldn't even have a gospel. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. Now, with that in mind, we're going to back up and read verse 1 and 2 of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, Moreover, brethren, he's talking to say, people, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. He says, you guys are saved, uh, by which also you ye are saved, if you keep my in memory what I have preached unto you. In other words, he's not saying if you keep things as far as works, He's saying, if you remember, and then he explains the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's saying that's part of the gospel. It's not just saying, okay, I believe in God. That, that, he's saying, no. He says, that's not how you're saved. It's believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's so important uh, to understand. And it's something that we need to understand uh, as well as we try to go out uh, and share the gospel. We need to really nail these things down. It's, it's an amazing thing. All right, let's go back to Matthew chapter 28. Again, we'll be going back there a little bit. So Matthew chapter 28, <clears throat> let's talk about this angel a little bit more. Um, I just have down here a shining time. Uh, and this is pretty amazing to think about. It's talking about the angel uh, that had rolled back the stone. By the way, the stone was not rolled back for Jesus to come out. He had already came out. The stone was rolled back so that we could see. Amen. And uh, so always remember that as well. And it says, His, this angel's countenance, was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And uh, again, we, we, uh, uh, we, we should praise the Lord. 
Uh, God's been really uh, speaking to my heart about maybe doing some teaching on angels and some preaching, and certainly we'll go over that in our Friday night uh, discipleship class. Uh, but we ought to praise the Lord for angels, for God's ministering spirits. I know sometimes that seems a little odd to us, but angels are real, folks. They exist, and they're a big, big part uh, of our lives. We don't really understand it. We entertain angels unaware. I believe that's true. Uh, but save your place there in uh, Matthew chapter 28. But go back to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. We get a good idea really uh, a brief description of what angels are, are about and how they are uh, a blessing to us. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Talking about angels. Hebrews 1, 14. I'll give you a second to find that. Hebrews 1, 14. Talking about angels, he says, Are they not all ministering spirits? You ought to underline that. Ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? He's asking a question there. And so we see there that these angels are certainly a big part of a Christian's life. They are, are really loving servants for mankind. Amen. Uh, and I believe in guardian angels. I, I believe those types of things. Uh, and I believe the Scriptures uh, reveal uh, all of that. So we need not be shy about believing in angels uh, and we see that this angel was shining, and rightly so. Now, remember, they're spirits, and they can manifest themselves in different ways. But uh, when I thought about this angel shining, um, I don't know that there's other appearances of angels in the Bible, and it doesn't say that they were necessarily shining all the time. But I thought about Moses. Remember when he, after being with God up on the mount, and he come back and had to wear a veil because his face shone? Uh, and again, uh, this, this angel, I, I wonder if he just had a little extra glow to him. Because, <laughs> you know, he, hey, uh, he'd been, uh, uh, you know, had, had seen the risen Savior. So what, a, what an amazing thought that is. Uh, but this appearance of the angel uh, and the earthquake we see there in verse 4, uh, it made the guards like dead men. Uh, in other words, they were completely powerless uh, in the holiness of God. Now, we'll, we'll get back to this thought in just a moment, but you would think that if there was ever going to be a believer, it'd be them, amen? But sadly, that's not the case, is it? We'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a moment. And uh, so we see there the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, just in those first few verses. And then we see the angels, uh, this uh, angel that was there, his announcement of Christ's resurrection. In verse 5, it says, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, uh, the great, great little Thing to remember there, amen, folks? Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. And uh, so he says, fear not ye. And, and this is seen a lot of times uh, if you read your Bible and, and when angels would meet with human beings, fear was often the first thing that gripped the human being. And I, I rightly understand that. Uh, and so a lot of times, you know, we see this familiar wordage. The first thing the angel would have to do, uh, he'd have to begin with saying, basically... It's okay, don't be afraid. <laughs> I'm not here to, to, to hurt you. Uh, and so uh, the, the angel, again, as we look at what we read there in Hebrews 1, uh, verse 14, an angel as a servant to mankind, uh, just like as he did with these ladies, he's starting off comforting them. You know? And I think that's something special about angels. And then we see, uh, continuing on, uh, again, we'll read verse 5 again. It says, An angel answered and said unto them, 
unto the women, Fear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. And all of God's people said, For he is risen. And all of God's people said, Amen. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Come see uh, the place uh, where the Lord lay. So after comforting these ladies, you know, don't don't be afraid. Uh, he explains, you know, I know why you're here, but he's not here. Uh, he's risen. Uh, and praise the Lord. I mean, that's uh, that's an amazing thing. By the way, uh, to date, uh, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened in human history, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? And uh, so, but he says there, come and see. Uh, uh, that's something that's a familiar happening concerning Christ. And we're going to look at a few places here. <clears throat> with that in mind, uh, we're going to be most. We're going to look at these in the book of John. So go to the book of John. Save your place in Matthew. Turn to the book of John, chapter one. John chapter one. Notice there he says, "Come and see." And we see this uh, uh, often uh, concerning Christ. Uh, uh, some things connected with Christ to uh, come and see. And uh, I think this is important as well. And uh, uh, understanding that we do have to live our Christian life by faith, uh, but someday uh, we'll be able to live it by sight, amen, as we step into glory. Uh, but let's look at this, uh, this familiar phrase, come and see, John chapter 1, verse 35, verse 35, John chapter 1, verse 35, and we have here the public ministry of Jesus beginning and it says again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, that would be John the Baptist, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. That's a pretty amazing thing there as well. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Um, and uh, uh, they then Jesus turned and saw them following, uh, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which they be interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? Notice what he says. He saith unto them, come and see. Come and see. I think that's neat. They came and saw where he dwelled and abode with him uh, that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Then look over at, uh, or down to John chapter 1, verse 43. It says, the following day, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, saith unto him, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This is kind of humorous. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, What did he say? Come and see. <laughs> I think that's neat. I think that's neat. Amen. Come and see. Uh, let's look at another one. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse uh, 27. John uh, chapter 4, verse 27. And it says, Upon this came his disciples, he's talking to the woman at the well, and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot after she had heard the gospel and believed who Jesus was, and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Notice what it says, Come see, come see a man which told me all things uh, that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? So several things here. One more, I, I, you know, you can't think about this without thinking about Thomas. You remember doubting Thomas? And also in the book of John, chapter 20, let's look at that. Uh, what did Thomas say uh, when, you know, he wasn't there when Jesus appeared the first time, you know, the resurrected Savior, he wasn't there. He said, I'm not going to believe till I see the, the prints and the nails of his hand. And uh, so that's what we're talking about here, John chapter 20, 
verse uh, 24, John chapter 20, verse 24, says, But Thomas, uh, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Uh, the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, uh, that is, the resurrected Savior. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his left, uh, I'm sorry, into his side, I will not believe. He had to see, didn't he? And uh, after eight days again, his disciples were with him, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, uh, reach, in thither, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it out into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered, and said unto him, My Lord uh, and my God. And uh, so what a tremendous uh, statement that is. So we see this this coming and seeing and seeing things connected to Christ uh, quite a bit. Uh, but with that said, uh, today we're not to live by, by sight. We're to live by faith. It's believing. As a matter of fact, there in verse 29, after Thomas saw that, he said, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Notice what he says. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Amen. So some great spiritual significance to all of this. And so... We go back to uh, our Matthew chapter 28, and uh, we see there in verse uh, 7 where we read that he says, He goeth before you into Galilee. The angel said, Jesus is going into Galilee. Now, I thought about this because this is how we are as human beings. You know, he was uh, crucified outside the gates of Jerusalem, but for you know all intents and purposes, he was, he was crucified in, in Jerusalem. Okay, Now, we remember those that were wagging their heads and railing on him and spitting on him and, you know, all the things that Jesus went through, right? Now, me personally in the flesh, you know, I would think that Jesus would show himself first there, amen? <laughs> you know, kind of one of those, nah, 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 I told you so, I'm here, okay? Uh, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Uh, he did show himself to some as we'll look. Uh, but he went into Galilee, and that's always uh, somewhat intrigued me uh, as well. Uh, but uh, that's what the Bible says, and uh, uh, not necessarily the place that he was crucified. But we read there, go ahead and turn there to Matthew 23, Matthew chapter 23. We find out why, uh, and it has a lot to do with the Jews' rejection of him. You always need to keep that in mind as well. Uh, but... Uh, 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 Matthew chapter 23, we'll start there with verse uh, 37. And this is really Jesus' lamentation over Jerusalem. And he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how, oft, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, very this is a huge turning point in the nation of Israel. Uh, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth. So there you go. You know, he just said, you know, pretty much uh, I've done my job. You've rejected me. Till you shall say, and this hasn't happened yet, by the way, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We know that's going to take place uh, during uh, the tribulation period. And so his public ministry really had ended, I believe, at that time. Uh, you know, he, he, was, he didn't walk. Uh, in Jerusalem anymore. And uh, so I think that's significant as well. So number four, let's look at the first uh, human messengers, if you will, of a risen Savior. 
uh, verse 8, Matthew 28. So back to our text, Matthew chapter 28, verse 8. Matthew 28, verse 8. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher, uh, these ladies, with fear and great joy. And I believe there were others, according to the other gospels, that were there too. And did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, these ladies, saying, All hail. And we'll talk about that phrase in just a moment. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Uh, may it imagine that. Uh, then said Jesus uh, unto them, uh, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren uh, that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. So again, talking about Galilee. And so they departed quickly, and, and certainly they were running with the good news. Amen. Uh, the first, you know, uh, uh, I, I, understand, I hope you understand what I'm saying here, but the first messengers, the first preachers, if you will, telling people that Jesus had risen. Uh, now, we're not talking about women pastors, but we're just saying people are, are, are telling that, hey, Jesus has risen. Amen. And we see that. And I think that's significant. And so they departed quickly. They ran with the good news. Uh, they see the Savior. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and uh, again, this teaches us, too, that the angel had told them they were on... What were they on their way doing? They were on the way back to tell them everything that the angel had told them. See, I believe that they were believing. And, and here's a great, a great lesson to, to learn, is that when we receive... When by faith we receive truth, God gives us more truth. Just think about that for just a second. Uh, and and uh, when, we, when we obey a little light, God gives us more light to follow. You know, you guys have heard me say, if we can't be faithful in little things, we'll never be faithful in big things. Think about it. You know, a lot of people want God to do this huge thing in their life, and it's something they need. It's, you know, maybe it's a, uh, 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 some type of addiction they need to be let loose. Or maybe there's some type of relationship that, that, that they're in that God really needs to get a hold of. They're wanting God to do something big in their life. But they can't follow Him in the littlest matters. And that's because they don't, they don't have enough faith to believe Him in the little things. You'll never have enough faith to believe in the big things. And so we see here again that when we obey a little light, God gives us better light. Obedience. Hey, listen, obedience to the Word of God is a wonderful thing. Amen? And for some, though, not obeying is, is keeping them in the dark. No matter how they hurt, uh, they need to understand uh, some things. And uh, so, uh, again, there's, there's a lot of things here, too, uh, with the meeting of, this we- of these women. I believe that Mary Magdalene had a private time and, uh, with him as well. Uh, and there's some disagreements on all that. I'm not going to get into all that today. But, uh, but, but I notice, uh, there, verse, uh, 28, or I'm sorry, chapter 28, verse 9, I brought your attention to when Jesus said, all hail. And what that means is, is Jesus is saying when he met these women, now think about this for just a second. He said, oh joy. Oh joy. Think about that. I mean, we obviously are thinking here about how how the joy that must have filled the hearts of those women when they saw the risen Savior. I mean, could you imagine the, the joy of all of that? But Jesus is saying here, on his account, oh joy. I want to tell you something, Jesus was probably more excited about seeing them than they were about seeing Jesus. Woo, that's good preaching. Hey, I like that, amen. I tell you what, we have a loving Savior 
they were certainly excited to see Christ, but Jesus was excited to see them. Amen. I tell you what, somebody ought to shout on that one. I think we forget that Christ, hey listen, Christ has joy in His children. Hey, when you don't see your children or grandchildren for a while and they walk into the room, do you not lighten up and brighten up and, and say words? And get up and run to them? <laughs> Amen. Hey, God's the same way. Uh, praise the Lord. God's not some far away deity that we can't approach. Uh, praise the Lord. He, he takes joy in His children. All right, number five, I'm supposed to be teaching and not preaching. Number five, uh, we read about the attempted uh, cover-up of the resurrection. <clears throat> and this just shows the hardness of hearts. Now remember these men that we're talking about here, um, uh, I don't believe they saw the risen Savior, but they knew something had happened. And certainly they knew the backstory to all this. Okay, and It says in verse, I mean, they knew why they were there. They knew they were there to guard that body so it wouldn't be stole. Okay. And so verse 11, it says, Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and shoot unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers. Uh, we, that would be biblically defined as filthy lucre. Saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while you slept. Don't tell them really what happened. This, this is what we want you to tell them. Uh, and if this come to the governor's ears, we'll persuade him to secure you. We'll, we'll take care of all that. So they took the money uh, and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews unto this day. And so we see here really the danger of hard hearts. I mean, think about it. These men witnessed something wonderful. Uh, uh, the, most likely the very first human beings to know that something wonderful had happened. You know. Uh, and But yet were really quick to dismiss all that. And for what? Money. <laughs> Filthy lucre. Um, and so this teaches us a great thing. Just as... as as we yield to a little light, God will give us more light. As we yield to more truth, God will give us more truth. On the other hand, this also teaches us that God will allow those with hard hearts to believe a lie. And this is, these are the types of things that make me tremble for people uh, that are hard to the gospel of Christ. And we've talked about this verse a couple of times or passage. Let's go ahead and turn there in some of our other preaching and teaching. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and turn to the book of Second Thessalonians because I think we probably have the most solemn example of all of this. So Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter two, uh, a very what I call a very disturbing verse. Uh, not that I, you know, don't misunderstand me, but but again, when I think about people that continue to reject the truth, uh, this I, I really feel fear for those people. Um, and, of course, now understand, let's look, think about the context here. Um, I believe we are talking uh, in light of the tribulation period. This certainly has to do with the Antichrist, but it does give us an insight of just how hard the human heart can get. And it says in verse uh, 3 there, Paul explaining to the uh, Thessalonian church concerning some end-time things, he says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, and, and those things connected to the tribulation period, shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin, that is the Antichrist, be revealed the son of perdition, who oppresseth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, 
or that or that is worshipped, so that he has so that he as God setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And we know those things are going to happen in the tribulation period. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. So Paul's reminding them of some things. He says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. And that doth already work is very significant. That's why I really squirm uh, with this. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Uh, And then that wicked uh, be revealed from the Lord, shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, talking about the Antichrist, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, uh, that is the devil, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because, listen, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now, we're going to read that in just a moment. Uh, It's a very dangerous thing for people to hear the gospel time after time after time after time, to be convicted in their hearts and, and know within their heart that this has to be true, this has to be right, but they continue to reject that. That's a dangerous thing. That is a very dangerous thing. You guys have heard me say it before. It'll never be easier to get saved than it is right now. It only gets harder. Now, with all that in mind, let's, let's read this verse here. So we see there verse 10, And for this cause... Now we're not talking about the Antichrist anymore. We're talking about God. Now remember what we, what we said here, uh, that just like uh, uh, when we give in to light, we get more light, but if we continue to push back the truth, it only gets harder. And it says, For this cause God shall send them strong delusion." that they should believe a lie. There's probably no other verse in Scripture that really burdens my heart more than that one. I mean, that, that, that's... Whew. And we know it. I mean, we know how it is in tribulation. Even after people in the tribulation have seen these things happen to God, what do they do? They shake their fist at God still. Hey, we just don't realize how hard our hearts can get. Amen? And so it's something to... Uh, uh, imagine, and when I think about these men, imagine being there when Christ rose from the grave. You know, they, they were there. I'm not saying they understood it all or even seen Christ, but they knew something had happened, and unless something dramatic happened in their life, those men are in hell right now. Isn't that terrible? That's an amazing, amazing, scary thing to think about. All right, we're almost done. And, uh, uh, of course, the attempt didn't work uh, at all. Uh, Christ would be seen... Uh, by over 500 people, from what I understand the Scriptures tell me, uh, after he had risen uh, from the grave. So let's talk about the giving of the Great Commission, because we've connected it with the Gospel, and certainly we would have to talk about the Great Commission. And uh, plus, um, it's in chapter 28, and that's the book we're studying, amen? And uh, so, uh, verse 16, it says, uh, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Now, keep in mind, they're in Galilee here. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Son, I'm sorry, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Let's talk about some things here. And there's a, a lot of people you know, may, may disagree with this. It takes absolutely nothing away from what's being said. 
but, but I don't believe that this was said on the Mount of Olives. I believe he did say this again. Uh, but I believe he still, this meeting is in Galilee. Uh, and if you, know, you don't agree with that, that's fine. It, it don't really change anything. But just technically speaking, I believe that he is still in Galilee. Um, and, and the timing and all these things, like I said, uh, uh, have to be considered with other gospel accounts. And they do vary uh, between a lot of good people, so it's not a big thing to get bogged down in. But, but we read there, uh, particularly in verse 17, though, and so Jesus is risen. Um, he's given the great commission here. But it says when they saw him, uh, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, we look at that and we go, you know, how, how could you still be doubting all of these things? And, of course, we weren't there, and we might have doubted as well. We don't, we don't really know. Uh, but uh, uh, certainly we, we see the power of unbelief. You know, it's strong. It's strong. And then in verse 18, we see really, I believe, the joy, uh, the secret that is to the joy of the Christian life. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, verse 18, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given unto me. You know, Jesus should be the power behind everything we do, Christian. You know, a lot of us might be doing some good things, even some biblical things, but we're not doing it in the power of the Lord. We're trying to do it on our own power. That's certainly not going to work. And, of course, we think of the Holy Spirit of God as well. And so Jesus should be the power behind all we do. Everything we do has to line up with his will for our lives. You know, uh, we try to handle situations in life by our life experiences, by what we've been through, by what society has taught us, by what mom and dad told us. Hey, listen, if you want to live a joyful and victorious life, you have to live through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And amen in everything that we do. We don't just bring him in when there's problems. He's a part of everything that we do. And so whatever direction we're going in, first of all, it has to be the direction that Christ is leading us in. A lot of people are, hey, listen, when you start disobeying the word of God, you're not going in the direction of Christ. Oh, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. But you're not following him. <laughs> you're not doing what he says. That's, uh, and what he, what he basically said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He says, if you really love me, you'll do what I say. Very, very easily said. And uh, so uh, we don't choose what we do or where we go. Uh, where he leads us, we have to follow. Amen. And then finally, uh, a threefold result of the Great Commission. Let's read it again, verse 19 and 20, uh, because I believe all these things are connected when we think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, uh, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Not just some of the things, but all the things. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And uh, uh, most of us probably understand this, but there might be some things that we haven't realized. So I just kind of want to break this down, the, a threefold result, if you will. Teach all nations, this means to make disciples. Uh, certainly this would have to begin with seeing folks saved. <laughs> Amen. It doesn't do no good to disciple someone that's not saved. You have to, have to get them saved first. We see their baptism. We understand that baptism saves no one, that it's a believer's baptism. Amen. We don't get baptized to be saved. We're not, not baptized to stay saved. We're baptized because we are saved. Very important to understand. Uh, believers are baptized in obedience, and, and that is a command. It's very important to do. Uh, teaching them, there in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things 
Um, certainly important, those things that are taught by Christ, and uh, that is uh, sanctification, those types of things, uh, uh, very important. And we really see the extent of the Great Commission. In other words, the what it's all about. Uh, we go back up to verse uh, 19, Go ye therefore and teach, notice that little phrase there, all nations. Certainly it's not just about West Plains, that's our first, that's our Jerusalem, if you will. But we're to go out into the world. And that's what our missions program was all about, being a part of that. We might be not, not be able to go ourselves, but we could certainly be a part of, of sending those that can. But we also see, uh, it says there, it's to all nations, how long, even to the end of the world. That's not talking about the destruction of the world. That's the end of an age. You say, okay, preacher, what, what, what age? Well, the age in which you and I live in right now. It's referred to in many ways, the church age, a dispensation of grace where God is calling out a people. Amen. And that's what the gospel is all about. That's, that, that's why, hey, listen, that's why you're here. You wasn't born in the dispensation of law. You wasn't born in the dispensation of promise. Okay. You were born in the dispensation of grace. You were born in the church age for one main reason and one main reason only is once you're saved is to tell others about Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. We got a risen Savior. Praise the Lord. All right. We got just maybe a minute or two for a comment if anybody wants to have a comment or, or anything like that. All right. We'll be dismissed in prayer and uh, looking forward to the preaching hour. Let's go to the Lord of Prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings of life, your love, your mercy, your grace. And uh, Father, just thank you for this wonderful Easter morning. And uh, Lord, just uh, excited as we think about. Uh, our risen Savior, excited about uh, that morning when you approached those dear ladies and said, All hail, oh joy. And Father, we're rejoicing in that uh, this morning. Uh, Father, we're thankful that we truly, uh, indeed, have a risen Savior, that God manifests himself in the flesh as a newborn babe. And Father, live the life that you and I, that, that we cannot live. And uh, But Lord, uh, you died on a cross Father, a horrific death on our part shed the blood, the blood that was needed to cleanse man's sin once and for all. And Father, you uh, put a capstone on all that, proving that truly indeed you were the Christ when you rose from that grave on a morning, much like this morning. And Father, we're thanking you for that today. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen.